Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I interview founders, entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, musicians, artists, you name it, around the world in crypto and blockchain. And uh, today I have an absolutely amazing guest. I'm looking forward to this interview. Pedro Isaac Lopez, who is a chief growth officer at Thor Wallet. Um, Pedro, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Pleasure to have you here. Um, so let's kick things off. And um, I'll ask you the first question is this, is um, what is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Yes. So um, let's kick it off. So yeah, I'm an industrial engineer. Uh, that's, that's my uh, background. I also have a master's in management from a university in Germany called European Business School and an MBA with focus on finance and strategy from the University of Pittsburgh. I'm also a self-taught Python developer. And um, I feel this kind of fits well to what I'm doing now because I'm deeply interested in both finance and technology. And that's why when I found blockchain, I kind of was enamored uh, from the concept and the entire mesh of, of both uh, finance and technology. And um, awesome. So you went to you you went you're in Europe. You're in you're in uh, Freienbach, which I guess Germany. Um, no, it's uh, right now it's Switzerland. Switzerland, and you you went to the University of Pittsburgh. So I'm just interested to set to to out of all the colleges in Europe and why you came to Pittsburgh, and just interested. So I came to Pittsburgh as part of uh, one of the opportunities. So I'm originally from Mexico. So I studied my undergrad in Mexico City. Uh, then after that, I decided I wanted to do a master's in management. And I found a good opportunity in Germany uh, at the University European Business School. Uh, it was a one-year program. And then while doing the program, um, they offered me this opportunity to do a, a dual degree. They have a partnership with uh, the University of, of Pittsburgh, and they offered me if I wanted to join, and I and I agreed. Uh, I think it was a great opportunity, um, pretty much uh, enhanced learning. So it was it was uh, great, and actually that's where um, there was a big change on, on where I was focusing because it, it was uh, until then it was more towards engineering and general management, but in the MBA it was a strong focus. Um, that I chose on finance, and that kind of led me eventually to crypto. That's more logical than you think. Um, you know, I I wish I had an engineering background. I went to Virginia Tech, an engineering school, but I studied liberal arts. So, um, you know, so I want to find out, you know, leverage your your uh, your technical prowess and talk about Thor, Dex, and uh, Wallet, and what they're all about and what makes them great and what makes them enjoyable for you to work on? Um, I think that there, there are two, uh, two parts to this. So one is we as company, we are Thor Wallet X based in Switzerland. And the other part is uh, Torchain. So Torchain is a layer one protocol that enables cross-chain swaps. And I think it's better to initially start with Torchain because um, that's the technology that we have, uh, that we're using to build uh, Thor Wallet. So um, yeah, Torchain is, 
is a layer one protocol and um, native swapping means no grab assets. So if you wanna swap Bitcoin for Ethereum, normally in the past or what is more common is just using centralized exchanges. So they have a database and then they do the internal accounting and that's it. But there's no real transfer of assets. Then later on, there was a transfer of assets, but via grab assets. So for example, WBTC, so that they can bring Bitcoin to um, the smart contracts on Ethereum networks or any EVM compatible. But then you still have the challenge, which is all these grab assets means that there is either a bridge, there's a multi-sig uh, multi wallet that controls these assets. So then there's a third party risk. With the introduction of Torchain, this change because Torchain is an uh, is a protocol that allows you to send native tokens. So you have Bitcoin on your wallet, then it gets sent out, and then you receive native Ethereum to your wallet. So there's no wrapping, um, and it's it's an open source project, and it's a decentralized community that is pushing the project forward. So um, a little bit of a background on on Torchain. And from, from our side, we are a company for WalletX. We are one of the projects in the ecosystem, but we also do other things beyond Torchin. But kind of our core is uh, the functionality that Torchin is providing. So we have a suite of products, but uh, we have a web application and we also have a mobile version where users can come and uh, do cross-chain swaps, provide their assets to receive uh, passive income, and they can also use the latest uh, savers feature from Torchain, which allows them to have exposure to single assets. So in a nutshell, we are a non-custodial wallet and we are trying to bring DeFi to the masses. So our goal is to, to have all the services that a person needs, but based on DeFi, which is open, fair and transparent. Great. So. DeFi, becoming your own bank, you know, when I think of DeFi, I think of becoming your own bank. And I think that becoming your own bank requires a really a, a paradigm shift or a fundamental change in the way you, you view things. And what the first is in technology, right? So how do you help your clients and community embrace DeFi, right, to bring it to the masses? And then what are the technology and financial barriers you know, that you help them with and help them overcome. Yes, indeed, uh, going from this uh, shift to, to being your own bank is, is a big change. So in terms of technology, the first thing we need to recognize is that users need to learn how to use blockchain wallets, which so far had not been so friendly yet. However, we have seen that in the last few months, there have been strong improvements. And this is change that is happening at a fast pace. Um, on the other hand, we have the user expectations. So they are used to using online banks or fintech apps that are very friendly. So that is um, kind of a mismatch on where we are right now in the technology in terms of the user experience and where we want to go. So one of our key goals in Tor Wallet is to try to bring that experience as close as possible to that of fintech. So being simplicity and user friendliness the key um the key aspects of of what we want to to have in in our mobile application um there's still a lot of work to do to get there uh, as a lot of the infrastructure is being uh, built in parallel so one example of this is this whole part of 
multi-chain and uh, different uh, layer ones and layer twos was something that came in the last year and a half. So um, the infrastructure that was there, like MetaMask and some has to adapt to these new changes. And this is something that as time goes by, we will have better, uh, better interfaces to make it easier. Um, from Tor Wallet perspective, we are trying to reach the masses, as I mentioned. So we're trying to focus heavily on making the interface simple and intuitive. So this is what we're trying to, that we call like bringing the technology to, to the background. So making it as easy to use that people just use it and then kind of they don't really, they're not so aware that they're using blockchain. Um, and a nice example of this is related to, to this multi-chain. Um, so uh, with now with our wallet, uh, because we have everything on the background, you don't need to change from one, one, uh, from one chain to another in order to do cross-chain transactions or to do multi-chain transactions. Everything is handled for you. You just see your assets, and then you can do these cross-chain transactions. Whereas, for example, if you go to a web browser, then you still have to, to go through the hassle of, if you want to go from one um, chain to another, you still have to change, and it's not such a nice experience. So this is something that we can do for our users and take that from that experience, we take the heavy lifting and then we put it on the background and the user um, just tries to uh, do, goes ahead and doing their normal transactions, but without knowing or without this hassle. Uh, and lastly, another important aspect when it comes to, to, to barriers is, is what it is between how to come to crypto. So the link between fiat and crypto. And this is a key reason why some users end up stuck in centralized exchanges because so uh, until now it's still been hard to move to crypto. So bringing your dollars, bring your euros, and how do you go to crypto? So that's something we have been working on to 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 bring uh, that gap. And we have partnered with a Swiss company uh, called uh, Mont Pellegrin to offer on and off ramp services. So this is something that. Um, not only us, but other companies in Delphi need to embrace so that uh, because it's been siloed. So once you have crypto, then you can do everything you want. But um, it's a key challenge for a lot of people. So how do I how do I start? So I have USD. How do I come in? So um, that's one of the other th key things that we're doing, which is allowing people to to come with fiat so that they can start exploring the world of DeFi. Uh, nice. Okay. So that that's that's the technical side, right? So um, the second part of the shift, right, for people to go into DeFi is is really is really mental and behavioral, right? So like yesterday there was an announcement by the DOJ and they here at, um, in the U.S. and they they stopped a, a Chinese national in Russia, shut down a very tiny exchange, but the market fell back seven percent, right? So um, what needs to happen like so that tells me that people aren't fully committed or uh you know can have a full conviction yet so what needs to really happen for people to feel comfortable using crypto yeah i think i think this is a key challenge as the industry that we need to overcome um first of all customers are not used to being asked to keep their assets in self-custody so there's a important learning curve in doing that. So when you go to DeFi, you need to learn how to manage your assets, but also how to keep them safe. 
this is a highly sensitive process and then mistakes can be costly so that's why you know sometimes there's this news this person lost money and, and things like that so that's a key challenge and that will be with time overcome with better interfaces um and then we will have better solutions i think the other part of this is time so i think it's, it's we we still have to think this is a relatively new technology so uh, block uh, blockchain itself with having first bitcoin but itself DeFi is something that we had only since 2020 so it's kind of relatively new the the protocols are evolving and as we have as the time goes by as people start to become more and more confident on uh, putting their assets into the, the protocols. We also have done tests, something have failed, but um, from from the time that DeFi started to now, it's it's been kind of a huge step forward. And I think this is just something that will come with time. So both retail and institutional um, are starting to see an adoption. So we, we have seen a phase of starting adoption with uh, centralized exchanges. Now that also is moving towards decentralized exchanges going more into the direction of decentralization, self-custody. Um, and I think it's, as time continues, uh, there's going to be more adoption. So institutions starting to say, OK, Bitcoin is relatively safe, of course, with the understanding this is a new technology. And I think there will be more and more assets that will start to come to this uh, safer zone where people are more comfortable um, participating and it, and it doesn't need to be only uh, an investment uh, angle, right? So for example, the loans that you can get now through DeFi, which require um, no ID or, or KYC. So this is a game changer. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm talking about like, there's many people who have no passport, have no IDs. There might be refugees, uh, asylum seekers. And now they have access to, if they have collateral, they can just get a loan and then maybe use it for their their cash uh, necessities and then pay back the loan so these are big changes that are happening but it's gonna take some time i i think the parallel to the internet is is very similar with crypto and uh, it's gonna take us a few years until people are you know feel completely comfortable using crypto um and when it gets a bit more user friendly as well i can see that yeah it took, I think I was in the internet back in, I was using the internet back in 2006, uh, no, 19, 1996. I'm dating myself here. 1996. And then, you know, um, it wasn't until 2005 that really my company started using it widely. So, yeah, so I can see that. Um, and one of the things that, like, if I take if I take like a month or two off and I took a lot of the fall off is I go from knowing a lot of what's going on in the area to not knowing like much at all because things move so fast. So I wanted to find out, you know, from you, what is the current global state of DeFi and governance too? And then um, with that, with the contagion that happened this past summer, where where's the DeFi industry at right now? And what do you see going on? And what do you see as the future? It. Yeah, so I have a, a, a contrarian take on this because I feel 2022 was a great year for DeFi. Yes, prices went down significantly, but in terms of the protocols themselves, they performed very well. So they weathered the storm of a massive bear market. We saw 
like the stark differences between DeFi and centralized uh, options, where like all these lending options, all these centralized options that were uh, uh, basically going bankrupt. And on the other hand, we saw DeFi working as expected. So over collateralized, none of the DeFi protocols went down uh, and uh, they just kind of worked as, as expected. So um, if anything, I feel that this bear market has accentuated the benefits of DeFi. So decentralization, openness, or collateralization. And in a way, it has shown that the real economic value has been created for the first time. So before we had Bitcoin, but the first applications that uh, generate real economic value like Aave, Compound, or Uniswap were created recently from, from the, the, the recent DeFi, uh, DeFi wave. And I feel, yeah, when with uh, where we are right now is we kind of wash out a lot of the bad actors, um, also a lot of the bad setups. So companies that were under collateralized, selling, uh, offering services that were uh, loans that had no um, no collateral. All of this has been wiped out. And from an investor perspective, this is of course quite bad. Like people lost money and, and that's terrible. But from from the technology perspective, like what has left and what has weathered the storm is is uh, companies or are companies that are quite strong, and are technologies also that are that are showing their worth. So I feel that in that regard, um, DeFi will come back stronger, and uh, volumes overall are down, but we still see economic uh, value creation on on these platforms of lending and borrowing. And uh, I think there's gonna be more, more applications that right now we don't, we don't have but that will come and will become quite big. The other part of that I think is when we talk about trust, I feel it's I, I, in, in one way, trust has been a bit damaged because of all these negative events that have happened, collapse of Luna, the collapse of FTX and so on. But, Technology, it's still like it still is is there. So all these things were um, either bad, bad actors or in the case of uh, Luna, um, just people didn't care to to read how it worked, and then things uh, bad things happen. But um, I think trust will be regained. That that's a, uh, some partly on on our side of uh, people that are working in crypto companies buildings building stuff to, to regain that trust. But at the same time, many other things are showing, hey, this is, uh, this, this is something that has proven itself to, to stay and to work in very uh, strong conditions and very difficult conditions. So I think DeFi is uh, looking brighter and also costs are going down. So we, we have a lot of competition now. So we will see and what is the, the best tech will win. I agree with you. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. <laughs> so, um, let me talk to you about about. I've, I think I've, I've interviewed maybe like 200 and some people. So, and I've only had one conversation about logistics. And um, you earned a certification in logistics, right? And not a lot of people talk about the future of blockchain in that area. So, what do you see as the future of blockchain in logistics? And how do you think we can improve, build improvements with it into the metaverse and NFTs? I think um, 
the topic of blockchain and logistics initially or somewhere around 2018 it was uh, a bit overhyped so it was of course in theory there are some interesting applications right so you can uh, verify the origin of goods check the supply chain or uh, did it pass correctly uh, from here to and then the next stage and so on however the connection between the digital world and the physical world remains a challenge so that's something that we still need to overcome i'm highly positive on the impact that blockchain will have on logistics i just feel that there we are a few breakouts away um, tech wise uh, breakthroughs away uh, in order to be able to fully exploit its potential so right now i think it's more on what can we potentially do but the challenge still is the disconnect between the digital world and then the physical goods or and, and the physical world. So I think it is still work on progress and uh, we are a bit far in that area at the moment. Um, in terms of metaverse and NFTs, um, I think with regard to supply chain, there might be some applications, but I see uh, at, or currently the market has been focusing on other areas, right? So art and so on because that's the was the, the immediate option but there is definitely some uh some that is linked to that so having certificates of origin for for goods that that's something that that definitely has been planned but again how do you prove you know that uh, that the digital connects so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to see you know some companies uh, bring some breakaways in that, but uh, so far, I think there are other industries that are going to be disrupted early by blockchain than logistics. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, but you said there's still a divide between the real world and the uh, digital world. Um, lately, I've been having uh, I've been having a different contrarian view on what is actually the real world, you know, because um, the real world to a lot of people is a, is a digital world. So what's that gap and how do we close it? Well, in in the specific example of logistics, it's more on the real world, meaning like the physical assets, right? So you, so how do you, let's say you bring tomatoes. So then you want to to use blockchain to to, to mark the progress of the supply or either the supply chain or even the the transportation. So did they came from the origin where they approved and then you know all this paperwork can be automated and potentially be put in an omittable uh, blockchain where people can go and check. Oh, this is as a certificate the 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 stamp of uh, that it was uh, that it passed correctly and so on. But I feel there's a similar challenge in this area as there is the challenge on blockchain and uh, real estate. So the idea is interesting, but there's still some challenges related to that, right? So you buy a, let's say you have a, a house, you want to buy a house, then it gets, you, you buy one tenth of a house through either an NFT or some token. But then how do you enforce that? How, how do you make the connection between, oh, this is, I have ownership on this, and then there's this physical loop. I think that's where we still need to bridge that gap. Part of that will come with, uh, you know, legislation saying, okay, these um, certificates 
correspond to an asset and then this can be deemed as a ownership uh, of this asset. And the other part is just gonna be technology that right now we don't have to link and you know avoid saying, okay, these tomatoes have this NFT that say they are coming from this place, but how do you make sure that somebody didn't change them physically for another one that they had in the boat or stuff like that? So those are challenges that we are, uh, as far as I know, there's no good solution at the moment, but um, I've seen many people uh, that are working on that. So I'm hoping that we have some breakthroughs there. Yeah, so do I. And I think that will launch like next uh, market perhaps, but um, looking ahead, right? Looking ahead, I wanna talk about your Thor roadmap, right? Like where are you now? Where are you headed? And what's your 2023 outlook? And, and then I'll have a follow up from there. Yeah, so for us, um, since the last year's, uh, you know, bear markets are for building, so we have been focusing on building. We have some uh, good metrics that we have reached. So we we're recently relatively as a young company, so we started going with our product in November of 2021. So since inception till now, we have reached 140 million in total volume through our products, and. Um, Recently, we were included in the top 50 uh, companies in the CVC Crypto Valley Association. So it's an um, association here in Switzerland for, for blockchain-related companies. So we're pretty happy to be included in the top 50 among 1,150 or something like that companies. Um, and also, very recently, there was this new product that was launched, so Torchain Savers. So these are basically um sort of like saving accounts so you can get exposure to get or you can get interest on your assets but normally when it comes to DeFi, this exposure was uh you had two assets to get exposed to because of you were a, a provider to the liquidity with this new uh, product people can get exposure to only one asset so you can get yield on your bitcoin without having to have exposure to in this case rune which is the the token of of, of the torchain um, network so that's pretty interesting uh, and it has uh, been very well adopted so it's only been live for around two months and it has collected uh, it has passed the 15 million uh, assets in in uh, value locked for the entire torchain um player and from those around 1.9 million have come through our uh, application. So our users coming to, to use savers uh, via their wallet. So we're pretty excited about that. It's uh, something that people are uh, very, very excited. And especially it's it's infrastructure for for layer one. So it's it's Bitcoin infrastructure the, from the 15 million, 10 are Bitcoin. So uh, people are really excited about being able to get yield on, on on their Bitcoin. And more importantly, this yield comes from the activity that happens on the network. So that's pretty pretty interesting um, to see. And from our side, yeah, we had uh, we, we had some some a good results in terms of our app, uh, iOS and Android. We have um, more than 38,000 downloads since we started. 
And we are pretty excited for what's coming next. Uh, we're doing a complete redesign of the mobile app. So all the, the design will be revamped with the new features, better functionality. And just in November, we did a, also an important overhaul where we reduced the loading time significantly. And the next step is having a better, more responsive design. At, uh, besides that, we also have in our pipeline uh, the integration of lending, which is the next product of Torchain. So we're pretty excited about that too. So kind of getting the entire portfolio of, uh, of services that the person needs. So sending, receiving, getting interest, getting loans, um, all DeFi, all non-custodial and self uh, uh, we we have no way to view their their assets or control them so we just we're just a provider of an interface so that's it's pretty neat and the last thing uh, we're going to be focusing also is on creating an affiliate feature so we we do generate revenue so we have generated around two hundred forty thousand dollars in in revenue for for third wallet decks which comes from commissions we take on, on swaps and liquidity providing, but we want to share that revenue as well with our users and, you know, just spread the word, make it, uh, if you want, uh, you can share a link and then if people use that link to do swaps and, uh, and liquidity pulling, they will get part of that revenue that we generate. So those are the things, kind of the three most important things we have in the pipeline for, for now. But uh, as you mentioned, things move fast in crypto. So um, we we still are looking forward to to see what uh, what are next for for the second part of the year. Yeah, and you said bear, you said bear markets are for building. So I want to I just want to get your sense on how long do you think we're going to remain in this bear market, and uh, you know when we're gonna when the building time is done and when we're going to like, I want to be one of your customers, right? <laughs> it sounds pretty great what you're doing and giving back to the community and customer base. That's awesome. But where, where do you think, when do you think this crypto winner is going to end and, 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 um, both times going to start again? Yeah. So of course, uh, no financial advice here, but, uh, I think the, the market has been pretty cyclical in terms of, um, it has, Stick very closely to the Bitcoin cycle. So every four years, there's a bust, boom, and so on. So uh, we take that as a as a guideline for for our planning. But of course, that doesn't mean you know this specific date things will change. But um, we looking back on the previous uh, bull run and then uh, bear market. So we had the the bull run in 2017. Then we had a terrible year in 2018. And then 2019 was already a year where things started to to slightly become better. And we had a an increase in prices due to Facebook uh, potentially wanted to come into to blockchain was later blocked. But um, if things are a bit in parallel to that, this year, um, middle of the year, it's something where potentially things are going to be starting to to become better. But it's something that we cannot uh, we cannot know for sure. But from from our view, the worst is in, is gone. We still have to see what happens with the general economy, right? There, there, there were some worries of recession coming from the U.S. and and uh, Europe because of the super high inflation rates, and then central banks trying um, working to mitigate those. But um, 
it seems that the recovery is happening. There was a small rally happening, or quite decent rally happening, right? From 16,500 something to now 2021. 20, um, but I think there's still there's still going to be time for us to do, to dedicate and build. You know, uh, I feel the next 10 to 12 months are going to be good time to build. And if there are some price increases, that's great. But uh, we are preparing for 2024. Yeah, that's that's my that's my target too. So that makes sense. Um, I'm glad I asked you. So um, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> this is, you know, um, thanks. yeah. Thanks for your insights. Um, I have one last question though, um, and it, it's a really easy one. Um, how can people find out more information about you, about Thor Chain, about your decks, about what you guys do? How can they do any of that? Yeah, so they can go to uh, forwallet.org. Uh, so that's our, our website. Uh, or they can also follow us on Twitter, Telegram. We're pretty active there. Or they can join our Discord and you know, st uh, stay tuned to all the news and information that that we are posting and the newest features that are coming to our mobile applications. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you and great talking to you. Have a nice day.